Hello, everyone. This is Troy Eckerd, CEO of Eckerd Land and Acquisition. Today's topic is about why will energy companies not add additional drilling rigs and drill more if the price of oil and gas is getting so high? Today is June the 28th, 2022. We're just at 700 drilling rigs in the United States. And today, we're probably still 40% below the active drilling rigs that were drilling in October of 2018. Why is that? Now, this is about a five-minute summation, but I want to tell you exactly what I feel and what I think based on my own analysis. When the downturn occurred in 2018, long before anybody recognized it, the oil and gas industry had spent billions of dollars drilling wells in order to secure future drilling rights in mineral leases that they had leased that were in jeopardy of expiring. So from 2015 to 2018, oil companies had leased millions of acres that had a three-year term on the lease that they secured from the mineral owners that owned the mineral rights. Those three-year time limits require some type of drilling activity, otherwise the lease will expire. The reality of it is, is that there's simply not enough manpower or money or drilling rigs to be able to drill and get the majority of the acres that they leased actually drilled and developed. Under the terms of almost every oil and gas lease, it requires the oil company to make a general effort to drill and make an attempt at securing development of the mineral rights. That means drilling a well, creating activity, doing something that initiates the completion of the lease agreement. If an oil company simply does not have the time or the money, they will need to go through a process of deciding which mineral leases are more important relative to the economics and the geology. The reason why they don't drill more wells, they simply don't have the equipment or the money. But let's kind of give you a summation of where I think we ended up from 2018 to today. Knowing that there is a core central area of interest within each geological basin around the country, there's what we call the no-brainer. You know oil and gas is there. You know the pipelines, infrastructure, saltwater wells, et cetera, in existence. You know that you can drill wells, make money, put them online relatively quick. And so that particular part of any given basin is kind of the no-brainer, no arbitrage. Everybody knows where it exists. However, most of those older areas are already secured under existing leases because that's where the vertical wells were drilled over the last 100 years. So whenever you look at existing core areas, many times those leases are owned by oil companies who already secured those leases through prior expiration or making acquisitions of older vertical fields, and now they control future development rights. When the crash occurred in 2018, oil companies were forced to make very tough decisions. Which leases were they gonna be able to keep? Which leases were gonna expire and they just simply couldn't get to it, didn't have the money? How could they spread their dollar out as far as it could go? And so what they did is they said, let's get a map. Let's figure out a lease position. Let's figure out where we have the best royalty interest to the favor of the working interest owner, meaning the oil company. Where are the leases that have the greatest infrastructure so it requires the fewest soft dollars like pipelines and right-of-ways and utilities, et cetera? And of course, where can we get the highest value in reserves and highest value in production, creating cash flow of all the mineral leases that we hold. They did that. The first drilling rigs they laid down were the older, less technology advanced drilling rigs. They didn't have the best computers, the best drawers. They didn't have the best equipment. 
the rig was old and antiquated relative to newer models. Therefore, when they made the decision of not only which crews to let go, because they had to let go staff and members as they decreased the drilling and exploration, they also had to decide which equipment to keep active and which equipment they said, that's kind of an older vintage uh, type of a piece of a drilling rig. Let's lay it down. Let's release the contract. Let's keep the more advanced computer-driven type of drilling rigs. Well, that's really what the situation is today. We saw an implosion, 40% reduction from drilling rig drilling rig activity in 2018 October, down to about 700 drilling rigs almost a year later. That's 40% drop. We then saw the whole rollout of the COVID lockdown, the economic shutdown that we encountered along with the flooding of oil across the global market by Russia and Saudi Arabia. And that in turn, re-emphasized to the oil companies to start laying down rigs in reverse order. The older, less efficient, more costly, more expensive operationally rigs were laid down first until they got down to about 218 drilling rigs, one of the lowest rig counts we've had since the 1910s, 1920s. As a result, Every time the price of oil began to rebound and cash flow began to pick up, the oil companies began to reactivate those drilling rigs in the reverse order the way they laid them down. The very best rigs, the rigs that had the best equipment, they went out and resecured the staff, the drilling superintendents, all the crews required to operate those rigs, and they picked the very best top talent rig by rig until now we're at 700 drilling rigs. I would argue that the last 100 drilling rigs and the last 100 crews that were put together or what I would call B or B minus equipment and B minus team and B minus personnel. Why is that? Because you drop off pretty quick from an A rated team to a B rated team. Now, if we want to continue to see the oil companies drill, it's going to require two things. One, they just simply don't have the equipment. Many of those drilling rigs that were laid down have been mothballed, cannibalized, and are no longer considered to be viable rigs without major overhauls and refabrication and, and all kinds of electronics and all kinds of equipment because they've been laid down. They've been sitting there for three years. They weren't in top shape in the first place. Now they've been going through a downturn for going on almost five years. So for us as an industry to reactivate those rigs to meet the demand of shortfall and supply, it means we've got to go out and rebuild these rigs. We got to go out and train new people for the industry that, that have left. They said, forget it, I'll work for Amazon. I'm not going to be out in the field freezing myself to death and get fired every three years. So we have a true major deficiency in intellectual assets and people to run those rigs. The people we bring on to run those rigs are going to be your B minus to C minus people who've either never been on rigs before, have no idea what they're going to do, and they may not be what I would call a permanent employee. They'll try it. They won't like it. They'll quit. There'll be a lot of rotation. The equipment that comes out will be much, much less efficient. Where a, a modern rig can drill a uh, square hole 9,000 feet down, 9,000 feet out in, let's say, 14 days. Some of these rigs that they would bring back on if they could might take as much as 20 to 30 days and cost twice as much. So one of the reasons why energy companies do not drill more physically, operationally, intellectual asset-wise, capital, we do not have that kind of capacity within the industry today, it would take a five-year recommitment to make investments in rigs and equipment and draw work and drill pipe. It would take five years of retraining and retooling all the intellectual assets from rig hands to engineers to production supervisors. All of that would have to be rebuilt. The only way that's going to occur is we have to see a significant and reliable, sustainable price of oil north of $90 a barrel. And it has to be something that the industry itself doesn't believe 
the current administration or any administration will put regulations in place that will cut their legs out from under them once they get up and running by making a capital commitment to rebuild the industry starting from the ground floor up. Hey, this is Troy Eckerd with Eckerd Land and Acquisition. Thank you so much for your time. If you have any questions, you can always call me at 800-527-8895, or you can email me at my office at teckerd at eckerdenterprises.com. Thank you.